Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Another opportunity for you to win our Valentine Prize in conjunction with the good people at the Clayton Hotel Cork. Get going on your cheesy, your funny, your suggestive, your near-the-knuckle chat-up lines on 083 396 I'll tell you what the prize package is a bit later on, but it's decent. It's an overnight stay with dinner, leisure club, the berries and you can take it whenever the hotel reopens obviously Valentine's Day is a write off for the hotels but they're giving us this and you can use it whenever whenever they open again so get thinking of your best pick up lines or chat up lines 083 396 96 96 draw winner around about 5 to 12 also want to find out what exactly is going on with the teachers and the leaving cert why did the ASTI walk off last night they have decided that this morning they're coming back to the table so they walked off last night and they're coming back this morning what is going on what are they thinking but more importantly what kind of an effect does this have on the students and their families their parents but I want to start this morning with this story that blew up last evening about the Lord Mayor uh, Councillor Joe Cavanaugh everybody at this stage knows the story of Frederick Douglass and wants to honour the story of Frederick Douglass the man who in 1845 was in Cork as part of a two-year lecture tour about the abolition of slavery. He's a hero locally now, and there are events taking place this week to honour him in what they call Douglas Week. But controversy reared its head last evening when the Lord Mayor, Joe Kavanagh, was speaking as part of an event, and he used the phrase, All Lives Matter. Uh, it was at the Cork Migrant Centre. The event was organised by the Cork Migrant Centre. Now, Naomi Machetti from the centre has said that the Lord Mayor was saying all citizens should be treated equally. Um, his choice of words has been vilified uh, on social media overnight. And you wonder what, he, what should he have chosen? Obviously, he should have chosen his words more carefully. Um, people, as it were, calling for his head this morning. Terry's in studio with me but doing a bit of legwork on this. What, what's the background, Terry? That's pretty much what happened, isn't it? Yeah, PJ, as you say, these were comments made by Lord Mayor Joe Kavanagh during an online event last night commemorating the abolitionist Frederick Douglass. Now, in introducing the event, Joe Kavanagh said, in his opinion, 
all lives matter. Now, some attendees expressed shock at those comments. It prompted a number of follow-up questions from other panellists who asked the Lord Mayor to elaborate further and whether he believed all lives matter as opposed to the term black lives matter. Now, Lord Mayor Joe Kavanagh responded. He said that in his eyes, everyone is equal, and that's his message. He said he has nothing but the highest regard and respect for the contribution that the Cork Migrant Centre has made to the fabric of society here in Cork, and that everybody matters in his eyes, and that he doesn't make distinctions between one grouping or the other, and that was the point he was trying to make. He accepts, though, that maybe he didn't make it very well. He went on to say that it's not as if I have any agenda against the Black Lives Matter movement or any Lives Matter. In my eyes, he said, equality comes first, and I try to show equal respect to everybody, regardless of who they are, and so on. I meant absolutely nothing by it. It was picked up incorrectly. It was a choice of words, though, that you'd think a public representative would know better on, given the context of it. But explain for us why, Terry, that phrase is so highly charged, all lives matter. It sounds harmless, but it's not. Yeah, absolutely. It was pointed out, actually, by one of the panellists to the Lord Mayor uh, that the, the phrase all lives matter, certainly from an American context, is especially charged and is used almost solely to demean the BLM movement as a whole. Now, the Lord Mayor, he said in response to that, that there's a huge difference with what is going on in America compared to what's going on in Cork. He says you can compare the two. He did say, though, that he has the ultimate respect for the BLM movement and for anybody that stands up for a particular grouping. He said he is not one to try and create barriers and that he wants to break down barriers. Now, that panel member then followed up by asking the Lord Mayor to perhaps consider phrasing the statement in the future, all lives matter, but especially black lives right now, or including black lives when when addressing this issue uh, at future events. Um, Others on the call, it has to be said, did acknowledge that they could see where the mayor was coming from and and, and listening to the context of his kind of explanation uh, on on his comments. We have contacted Joe Kavanagh this morning. Um, We've been unable to get hold of him, but speaking to the examiner, he did say that his comments were completely misinterpreted. Okay, Terry, thanks for that. That's where we stand right now. If the Lord Mayor becomes available and would like to speak with us at any stage, he's more than welcome. As they say, he has the number, as do most people at stage 1850 Thank you, Terry, for that. It, his explanation of what happened, it's, it's fair to say, uh, while accepted, I think, by some of his fellow panellists, one would think that if they accept his explanation, that that should be the, the end of it. But not so much on social media, not so much at all on social media. What do you think? Look, personally speaking, I would have said maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, when the Black Lives Matters, the Black Lives Matter movement began to, to come to the fore, I might have said casually in conversation, well, surely all lives matter. But it was pointed out to me by a Black Lives Matter activist And if you go and you'll find it, that that particular choice of words has been hijacked by racist right-wing groups. So you don't use those words. You don't use those words. You don't use All Lives Matter as a counter to a Black Lives Matter argument. But the Lord Bear's explanation last night was that's not what he said. That's not what he meant. And he's been misinterpreted. What do you think? What do you think about what happened with the Lord Mayor last night? Bill says there was no malice at all 
in that. Some people calling for the Lord Mayor's head this morning, uh, saying that a public representative should be more up to speed with the things you do and don't say in public, which is a valid analysis. It's a valid analysis. Lord Mayor not available to take our call just now. If he wishes to do so, he knows where we are. 1850-715-996. Maybe it's time for Lord's Mayor and others who speak in public to be perhaps trained a bit in what you can and you can't say. And maybe when attending an event like this. Now, the, the comments were off script, by the way. That's what I understand. They were off script. They weren't contained in his in his prepared notes, which he would have had for the event. And knowing Joe Kavanagh as I do, I would have to say the man would never have been intended to offend anybody like that. But that's where we are this morning. That's where we are. 1850 It's just a phrase you don't use. I'm sure if we think our way through many issues, there are there were ways to raise questions. There were ways to ask the awkward question. There are ways to bring up the other argument. But there are also ways not to do it. Or ways not to use that form of words. Like, would anybody say Londonderry? Would we accept it if a mayor said Londonderry? That's very hurtful to people who see the name of the place as Derry. Uh, it's, it's just another comparison. Anyway. Whatever you think, I'd like to know at 1850-715-996. Get your chat lines in as well. Your chat up lines to 083-396-9696. What is going on with the Leaving Cert? What on earth is going on with the Leaving Cert? They were talking about how they're going to do it. We're supposed to be getting a statement next week as to what they plan to do. That was to come Tuesday. Then last evening, and it took everybody by surprise. I was watching the 6 o'clock news and breaking news. It took everybody by surprise that the ASTI had walked away from these talks. Now, this morning, they've decided to come back and talk again. But what is going on? And more importantly, where does it leave the youngsters trying to do a leaving cert in a couple of months' time? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Interesting to see the responses. Bill says, well, there's no malice in that statement. Is that not the key to all of this? Frank, well, don't all lives matter? Is it not time to reclaim that phrase? Because it is self-evident that it is true. I don't think he meant that black lives are any less significant. And Kim, all lives should matter. It shouldn't be offensive to any group, irrespective of how it may be associated with other groups. Have we really got to the point where we must be so conscious of every word? Surely our actions speak louder. I think too much emphasis on words and the meaning has been lost in translation. What about how we act? Surely that counts for more. Thank you. 1857-15996. Now, what happened last evening to cause the Association of Secondary Teachers to pull out of talks? Talks on how to assess the Leaving Cert students of this year, 63,000 of them. And last evening, the 
whole process was thrown into chaos because we're expecting a statement to come next week, probably after the Cabinet meeting, as to what will happen and what shape the Leaving Cert will take. But last evening, the ASTI pulled out, saying it was unacceptable, saying that they had problems with it, saying that, and it was one of the education correspondents who paraphrased this, that what was on the table was a kind of a pick and mix between assessment, as in as in predicted grades, or written exams, and they just weren't happy with the situation. This morning, there's been a change in that. The ASTI has now agreed to attend talks with the department this afternoon after they withdrew last night. And I suppose the union absolutely has a right to represent its members. I've said many times I wish every worker in the country had a union as strong and as vocal and as determined as the ASTI. Every worker should have that, whether you agree with them or not. But, look, we all know that immense pressure is on our Leaving Certs and their families at this stage. There surely has to be a better way to go about sorting this out. Cahill spoke to us a couple of weeks ago about his son, Connor. How's Connor watching all of this, Cahill? Good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. Yeah, it's amazing. Three weeks have passed and it just feels like Groundhog Day in the same place as the morning, having my coffee and looking across at the office and seeing Connor again in front of the screens. Uh, it's been non-stop since uh, we spoke. Uh, very strange, you know, we've been listening, hoping that, you know, on the Friday that we spoke, that the following week we'd get something. I think we got about uh, the further restrictions and that the uh, Minister for Education needed space to give us something. You know, I was hoping that we would have heard, not me, but the 60,000 students and the parents, we would have heard that there would be something very tangible and uh, sort of complete for the kids to be able to go and study further. Again, I talked about uh, being on a footpath. You know, this path is ongoing and they didn't know where it's going. Well, unfortunately, this path has been extended. And yesterday, uh, as is every day, we wake up, we talk about what's happening. It's either COVID weather or the leaving cert. Yeah. Last thing at night is leaving cert. And yesterday, I had to sit down with him, you know, once we heard about the ASTI pulling out and that uh, it's not going into any further talks, I said, how are you, Carl? I just had to sit him down and ask him, you know, just, and I do say man to man, he's 17 and a half years of age, man to man, I said, Connor, how are you feeling? Are you stressed? He said he wasn't stressed, but he said he was worried. He said he's very, very worried. And so are his friends. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. 16 or 17 weeks, I'm not 100% sure which, to the proposed start of the Leaving Cert, and we still don't know what form it'll take. It must be very hard for him. It is. And again, as I mentioned before, you know, he's, he's looking for high points. He's looking for engineering or getting into pharmaceutical. And he's putting the, he's putting the, the work in. He's putting the graft in. He's tired. And he's getting, you know, he's getting even more tired. And we're nearly at a point to sort of say, OK, you need to stop. You need to just come away because you're, you're studying for something you don't even know what you're studying for. Because with this sort of tit for tat, little bits of bird feed coming towards them, they don't know. They don't have a clue. And they listen to some of the students and some of the teachers for that after the, the time that we'd spoken three weeks ago. They're at a loss as well. It's, it's not just the students. Everybody's at a loss. It's parents, it's students, it's teachers. Nobody can actually put their finger on it and say, what do we need to do? And they've only had you could say, the best part of 10 months. They should have been discussing this since October last year after the predicted grade scenario that we had last year. They had time to actually get this right for this mm. year because it's a pandemic. It's not going to disappear tomorrow or the day after or the day after that. One of the arguments that seemingly is being made against predicted grades this year is, well, predicted, what do we go on? What 
coursework? What class material do we go on? Because the schools were closed for months last year and now they're closed again. Yeah, and there's one thing that I have to say, PJ. Now, there's a number of uh, kind of teachers. They have been doing continuous assessments with them online, which has been very good. Uh, There are a certain number of subjects that have been actually doing assessments on a weekly basis. They set a time. They don't give them any sort of uh, stuff to sort of do any pre-reads. They will say, okay, in 10 minutes' time, we're going to post an assessment and you've got 25 minutes or 40 minutes, whatever be the case, to do that assessment. That has been happening. Now, I have to admit, it hasn't been happening. It's not consistent with all subjects. It's only certain subjects that's been happening with certain teachers. Mm. Uh, But again, there has been assessments and there was assessments um, from the start. Now, Connor goes to GCC in Glenmire. And last September, they did start doing assessments very quickly early on probably seeing what was coming down the line. Yeah. But uh, that seemed to taper off. And of course, with the COVID and then the numbers and not getting back into school, uh, the assessment sort of tapered off. And then after Christmas, uh, it's been slow. And of course, I think it's more sort of confusion about what do we do here? Is it going ahead? Is it not going ahead? Uh, this piecemeal of information that's coming from everywhere, you know, they just can't make a decision. Yeah, I mean, needs to be made. That seems to be the biggest bugbear for a lot of people, isn't it, Cahill? In that pretty much every other EU country and non-EU countries such as Great Britain next to us here have made a decision at this point. Even in the north of, north of Ireland, a decision has been made on what is happening with the exams this year. But here we are, no decision, 16 or 17 weeks out. Yeah, and, and you know... What's uh, what's very ironic, PJ, is this, this is going to happen next year as well. Now, we we think about the Leaving Certificate students this year. There's also the cohort of the fifth-year students this year. Mm. They're going to be in the place where they should be learning now, you know, and that's not happening. And this thing isn't just going to go away. You know, we're going to be in this difficulty next year. So, you know, decisions, I know it's gone. It should have been made last year. But a decision, a decision needs to be made now. Are they going to go and sit some form of reduced Leaving Cert? where they're going to get help. The third level educations need to be in this as well because at the end of the day, an awful lot of these students, that's where they want to go to. Yes. How are they going to assist them there? Is there something when they go into third level that they're going to give them a chance? They're, you know, like a, a pre-exam, give them some sort of indication, okay, is this what you want to do? You know, because at the moment, you know, they're just studying, and, but they don't know what they're studying for. Yeah. They just really don't. Because the format of the exam and preparing for the actual structure in an exam is as much a part of studying as learning off your history notes. It's, it, 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 it really is. So how, how is he in himself this morning? So he's grand. He gets up. Uh, as, we, as we say, oh, there's bedheads coming down. His hair is as long as I don't know what. He hasn't been able to get to a barber's. And it's the same thing. He just gets up. He gets the keys to the office. He goes over. Heaton's on. He sits down now. He's at his roll call, I think, this morning. And he'll do whatever. He did an exam yesterday. Now, when I say an exam, it was an assessment that his biology teacher had done. And fair juice to her, she'd actually given him a result last night. He wasn't kept in limbo about waiting on what had actually come about. Mm. And I just say to him, I said, Connor, you keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on studying until you know exactly. So the, for all intents and purposes, I just have to tell him, I says, Connor, the exams are happening until, yeah. we t- um, until we're told. Until we're told otherwise. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, he's, he's great to have that he has your, your support. What do you think finally and briefly, Cahill, about the action of the ASTI last evening? They pulled out of the talks and now they're going back in again today. See, I think, again, this is very, a very knee-jerk reaction. 
uh, because I know what was said last week or the week before last was the Minister for Education needed space to bring up something. Now, I believe it was a white letter of some sort went forward and said, this is what we're going to discuss. Now, I thought this discussion was going to happen last week. It doesn't look like very much has actually happened. It looks like, you know, it's like a mouse coming out of a hole and then sort of say, oh, there we are. We're going to take a little bit of this cheese. And then all of a sudden it scurries back in again and you don't see it for a long time because we haven't had any, it's nothing forward. So I think the AST, I know, again, it's only a thought, mm. um, is that the ASTI thought that they were going to go in to something tangible that was going to be discussed and a way forward and how we're actually going to get us over the line, the Leaving Cert students over the line for the summer exams of 2021. All right, leave it there, Cahill. Thank you very much and best of luck uh, to your son in preparation for whatever he's preparing for. And you have to, you really do have to feel for Connor this morning. And thousands like him. They're, they're working, they're studying, they're slogging away, they're doing their assignments, they're working with their online classes as best they can, but they've no idea what they're preparing for. Matthew Ryan is the welfare officer of the Irish Secondary Schools Union, uh, and he's from Cork. Matthew, good morning to you. Good morning. Matthew, as a matter of interest, and before we go on, are you guys involved in these talks, your union? Yeah, so we are one of the stakeholders that's involved with the talks. With the well, that's union good, at least. What happened yesterday, in your, in, in, from your observation then, what happened yesterday? Um, yeah, so, you know, it was obviously extremely disappointing and, I suppose, shocking when we saw ASTI pull out. It was very out of the blue. I suppose none of us were warned. Um, looking at, you know, the minister's statement and her tweets, she had no idea it was coming either. So we were all very taken aback by it. It was very, like I said, out of nowhere almost. And it, it's very disappointing because, you know... Have you any understanding as to what was bothering them that much that they pulled out? Yeah, I mean, they, they say that it's because there was a discussion around predicted grades being the only option. But, you know, the discussions have been open. The discussions have been looking at all the contingencies for the exam. The minister has promised that there'll be written exams and a, and a non-written alternative, but we've never been told what that non-written alternative is. Um, so, honestly, I, I'm not too sure as to what exactly has happened. So... On behalf of your own union, how do your members feel? I mean, there's 63,000 students preparing for this exam. They are by far and away the most important of all the stakeholders. God, I hate that word. But they are the most important of all the stakeholders. How are your members feeling this morning? Yeah, so obviously, you know, there is nothing that's going to stress students more than these 11th hour decisions that are made at 6 o'clock at night when everyone's just finishing their schoolwork and sitting down and suddenly they pick up their phone and says. ASTI has pulled out of leaving cert discussions. You know that that is going to stress students so much more than anything else would. And you know it's already a very high pressure, intense situation for students. You know we are studying day in day out and just hanging on, hoping for an answer. And then when we see decisions like this made, it's it's just so disheartening for students, and it's it's really disappointing, and it's it's a big letdown to students. And then to go be be willing to go back in this afternoon, but I suppose only they can answer that question what do you think students want at this stage Matthew I mean what are your what is your union bringing to the table for these talks do you want predicted grades do you want the thing to go ahead as planned do you want it what do you want so we balloted our members back um, last month we did a survey of our members and the number one thing that came out was a choice between you choose your predicted grade or you choose to sit your exam and because that is what students want it's what's fair to them after the year we've all been through you know it's been an absolutely surreal year I don't think anyone could have seen it coming or been prepared for it we've lost 
three months last year, we're still out of school now. We don't know what direction we're heading. We don't know when we're going back. And, you know, it is only equitable for students that, you know, some will thrive in an exam situation and some have simply been through way too much this year to ever even think of going in and sitting in a normal exam. So and, I think, and you surveyed, did you? So, so what, yeah. is the, what is the preferred option? So the preferred option is a choice. Right. Between the two. Okay. That was the number one result. And the written exam, do people want to go that to go ahead at the usual time or at a later date or what? So that was also one of the questions on the survey. And obviously pushing the exam out would affect so many things from college places to UCAS to UNICAS. Um, so students said if the exams are going to go ahead, it would have to be as close to the normal date as possible. So that we don't have, I suppose, what happened last year where people had to stay out of college for a year. Obviously relieved that ASTI is coming back to the table uh, this afternoon, but we still need a decision. And like I said, six. what is the proposed start rate, the start date? Um, it is the, currently it's the 9th of June. The 9th of June, okay, okay. Uh, so that's 16, 17 weeks at most. Yeah. You need a decision now, don't you? Exactly, as soon as possible. All right, okay, leave it there, Matthew. Thank you very much, Matthew. Ryan from the Irish Secondary Students Union. And to be nice to know what the ASTI was thinking, to be nice to know why it was they walked away from the table last evening and why they're so willing to go back in today. Rose, they were saying not enough work to do predicted grades. That proves that the work won't be done for the exams. That seemed to be it. I was watching one of the education correspondents, I think Emma O'Kelly on RTE, was trying to make sense of it last evening. Um, just based on what she could glean fr- from the various comments that were being made. And what she said was, and these were her own words, she said that the ASTI seemed to be objecting to what they call a kind of a, or what they believe is a kind of a pick and mix thing, that you could do a predicted grade in history, geography and French, and you want to do a written paper in mathematics and English and Irish. That seems to be on the table. ASTI seems to be unhappy with that. But until they say precisely what's on their mind, we don't know what that seems to be the case. But apart from that, Nels, if the levels are due to start on the 9th of June, a decision is needed and needed urgently. And then, of course, you see Neffert last evening, and it's in the newspapers this morning, Neffert are saying, uh, well, actually, it's not time yet to be even thinking about going back to school. The department is looking at getting people back to school between now and the 5th of March, and between the 5th of March and Easter, they want to get all the schools back on a phased basis, which is a lovely idea in principle. But Neffet put the hand up last evening and said, hold on, hold on. Uh, based on our modelling and our information, it's not time yet to be thinking about going back to school, which is another spanner thrown in the works. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. So a young Cork woman is the toast of Italy today after something wonderful happened on their version of Got Talent, Italy's Got Talent. A young lad called Federico was appearing on stage to audition 
for Italy's Got Talent. And he was to sing a Codaline song. And initially he was supposed to sing it with Abigail. But of course, he's there and she was here. And then this happened. Yo, man. Yo, open up, man. Not that. Something else happened. Here we go. Hi, Abigail. Hi, guys. Hi, nice to meet you. This is Italia's Got Talent. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are you ready to sing together? Definitely, yeah. Okay. Divertitevi. Broken bottles in a hotel lobby But it's not very easy So she'd been on screen at the start of this from Ireland and now she walks on stage with another microphone and he'd absolutely no idea that was going to happen. And some, I don't think the judges or the presenter had any idea either, or at least that's what we believe. Abigail, good morning to you. Hi, how are you? Good, good. First of all, how did you meet this young man? Oh, oh my God, we met ages ago. We met in, I think, 2016, 2017. Um, I was doing like a youth exchange and um, working on documentaries and things. And yeah, we spent two weeks together. Um, it was it was crazy. It was mad. But was there a spark? Um, oh, everybody's desperate to know. <laughs> I mean, at the moment, definitely, yeah. But for now, we're definitely just friends. But right. you never know. <laughs> well, you flew to Italy to sing with your friend. <laughs> You know, um, I smell He's a, a good friend. <laughs> I smell a spark. But okay, so how did it all come about? Obviously, with him there and you here and travel out of the question, how did it happen? Um, so basically, when he auditioned for Italy's Got Talent, um, the producers reached out to me after we did a video together over lockdown. Um, and they offered to, you know, fly me over and put me off and everything. Um, so then I went over and I had to take three COVID tests um, and I could only fly as well when Italy was on the green list. Um, and it all just happened so quickly, to be honest. Um, all of a sudden, I was just in Italy um, and I was walking on stage and just singing with Federico. It was it was mad, to be honest. It's all a bit of a blur. <laughs> when, when did it actually happen? Um, we filmed it back in September. Okay, okay, okay. And, and then... They contacted you. Like, yeah. was, was there ever a prospect of you doing it, say, doing the audition together via via online or something? Was that the original plan? Um, I think the plan was that Federico was actually, Fede was going to audition by himself. Um, and then he had no idea that I was even, like, attached to this at all. Um, so when they, like, reached out to me or whatever, they reached out when Italy was in a really good place. Yeah. Um, in terms of COVID and things and everything. Because so if you watch the, the video, the video's on, on Corpio and a few more places, that he's even surprised to see you on a screen. Yeah, no, to be honest. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, no, he was shocked. I think it's because I had like, no relation to Italy's Got Talent. It was funny because I was wishing him um, good luck and things. And I was saying like, how excited I was to see him. And he was just in the hotel room underneath me. Like, um, It was crazy. He had no idea. 
Um, yeah, neither did the judges either. It was all just producers, and I think everybody was shocked, to be honest. I think I was a little shocked, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> don't think I believed it. How, how did they trust you not to text him? And <laughs> I don't know how. It was a lot of trust, a lot of responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you are a damn fine singer in your own right. <laughs> and you. you got through. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, did you have to hang on for the next round or are we allowed to know this? Yeah, <laughs> you see, at the moment, I actually, I don't know if I'm able to to talk about things like that, but um, I do know that if he goes through the next round, which I'm very, very confident that he will, um, that he'll have to do it by himself um, just because I think COVID cases in Ireland at the moment are, are very, very high. Yeah. So I think he, if he does it solo, but if he gets to the final, which I definitely, certainly hope he will, um, I think there'll be a lot of Irish people supporting him all the way. <laughs> I, I think he's. I mean, there's a lot of Irish people in Italy. Yeah. So he's <laughs> immediately true. got a, got a got a support base in Italy, let alone here. And of course, we'll all be trying to find out now. Links. Can we get to see Italy's yeah. got talent on? <laughs> on our various devices. Your mum is a teacher, I think, at, at, at Eamon Reish. Yeah, close to Eamon Reish, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, and that school has been such a support. Oh, my God. I, I think I think two Christmases ago, um, that's where I started off. It was like my first kind of public performance. Um, I did a little a little performance singing there at their like Christmas market. Um, and to me, like that was massive, you know. Like it was, if I had to do something like this, like five years ago I wouldn't have done it sort of a thing um, it's mad it's crazy to look how, back and how have you managed to keep all this a secret oh my <laughs> I know it's, it's it's crazy I didn't even tell my parents or nothing I don't know how I did it hang I'm on very you surely well. told them at the time you surely told your mom at the time did you no no I just so I... how did you explain go chastely yes I'm actually at university at the moment, so I was in student accommodation. So um, neither of my parents knew that I'd actually left. Oh, so you snuck off then? Yeah. Oh, this is a better story again. Yeah, I know. My mum, I say, was shocked. <laughs> oh, like, so not only did, 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 did they contact you to come over and, and did it very safely and green list and all that stuff and COVID tests coming out the wazoo, as it were. Yeah. Right? Not only. And you. Up in, not only did he not know, not only did the audience not know, the ju- your mother didn't know. No, you make me feel bad now. No, no, I, I'm actually... I, I'm no, I, I think it was... I know, I say she was shocked. I felt really bad having to tell her that... Um, and and hang on, when, when did she find out? Uh, the night that it was streamed, like two oh nights ago. Oh my God! You kept it till then? Yeah, and, and was she watching it with you? Um, no, no, like, I'm in Dublin at the moment. Okay. So I was just getting a stream of text messages from her. She was freaking out. It was in the family group chat. Yeah, what did she Everybody. say? <laughs> she was freaking out. I, I think she's just, um, I think she's just shocked. She she went, um, <laughs> she went on, like, a big rant, and she was, I don't, she was just, it was very, the support was crazy. She was lovely. She was oh great. Oh, my Everybody God, this, this is the best bit. Yeah. <laughs> This is the best picture, and and like, <laughs> well, ma'am, it was like this. Yes, I don't even think I've told her the full story yet. I think she's just been so excited that she sees me on TV, and now she's like, "This is it. This is great." Um, but I, I don't even think she knows the full story, to be honest. And I, it's mad. I feel so bad because she doesn't even know Federico either. So. God, you're a woman of many talents, aren't you? <laughs> 
You should go into, I don't know, join, join the, the military <laughs> intelligence or something. Brilliant. This is just fantastic. So, and obviously she's, she's delighted and proud of you now at this stage. Yeah, oh my gosh. My, I say my biggest fan is my mum and my gran, like, definitely. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. She was very helpful. She was very helpful yeah. to Fergal as well yesterday when we were trying to, trying to get in touch with you. I just think that's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. And I'm sorry, as a parent myself... You'd be freaking out, it's like... No, <laughs> imagine. I, I, I would just... I'm, I'm absolutely in awe of how you managed to keep it from her and from your friends since September. To be fair now, I did spill to my to my closest friend. I did, Sean, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I couldn't keep it in for that long. He definitely, definitely. I had to tell at least one person, yeah. so I decided to tell him. When but did you tell him? I told him, see, I got the call. Somebody reached out to me in September, um, and then I got the call in, in October. Oh, no, somebody reached out to me way earlier than that, sorry. Um, and I got the call about two months before September, yeah. And... Sean was with me when I took the call um, and he was telling me to go for it. Um, I wasn't sure if I was even going to say yes, to be honest. She said, tell your mother. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't even... I say, Sean wanted me to tell everyone. Sean was like, you need to put on Facebook. You need to put on Instagram. I was like, not yet, not yet. He's crazy. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, this is brilliant. Well, look, you know what? I mean, if he gets through to the final... Yeah. We'll all want to be there. Yeah, we'll all, to <laughs> we'll all have to get a link. All flights booked out. <laughs> Hopefully. No, it's lovely. And I think as well, um, I've had a lot of, you know, like the local support has been insane. Um, but I've also had a lot of random Italian people texting me um, telling me like how much like the story meant to them. And I think that's, it's just so lovely to hear you, if you know what I mean. Like, um, it's very humbling. Like, it's, it's, it's really nice. <laughs> and, and are you in contact now all the time? Uh, me and Fede. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> we would be, yeah. We, would, we definitely would, would, would be. Would the spark have maybe oh. <laughs> ignited into a bit of a flame at this stage, maybe? Not yet. We're not, we're not there yet. But um, I'll definitely update you. I'll update you as it goes along. Do you think you along. might get an old Valentine card now? <laughs> Hopefully. I'm, 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 I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's brilliant. It's such a fun story. Abigail, best of luck to you and to him. Uh, and it's just a fun story which brightens up a dull and dreary old Friday morning. Thank you so much. And thank you. Thanks so much for the support. Bye. Th- thank you. And a, a big pension again for Mom, um, who will very... <laughs> That's the best bit. That's the best bit. They contacted her last summer. She went over in September. She told no one. She obviously didn't tell him. She told the best friend. And she never told her mother. And because she's in student accommodation in Dublin, she was able to pull it off. Oh, stop. Stop. That's that's the story of the week, lads. 1850. I think we should probably podcast extra that one, Fergal. That's brilliant. 1850-715-996. We'll watch them with interest now. Spark. 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 They're going to need a fire extinguisher. That's the best Valentine story I think we've had. Uh, Feddy, as she calls him, and Abigail. And you can hear her insisting that... Uh, that there's nothing doing, not at all, there's not. Listen, on the basis of that, right, on the basis of that, get me your chat-up lines. Our prize with the Clayton Hotel Cork is an overnight stay in a superior river view balcony room, dinner for two in the Globe restaurant, access to the Club Vitae with their 18-metre pool. All we want is your cheesiest, your silliest, your corniest 
your most near the knuckle, if necessary. Chat up lines and then listen in around 5 to 12 when we pick a winner. And we give you some of the better ones as well during the morning. And uh, thanks to the Clayton Hotel Cork, winner of Best Cork Hotel 2020 with the Cork Business Association. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Actually, if you want to make that call, I've got a couple of minutes, guys. My calculations were out of small, but if you want to make that call, I can take it this side of 10. Rose says, they're saying now not enough work to do predicted grades. Uh, that proves that the work won't be done for the exams. My daughter's classes have been cancelled for today at the last minute, says another call. With midterm, she has no classes next week. There were four classes cancelled this week. What kind of education are our kids getting? I'm sorry, I can't come on air, uh, but I'd love to do that. Uh, PJ, the person who, and that's on the uh, Joe Kavanagh and what happened last night at the Frederick Douglass event and it's on the papers this morning he used the term all lives matter and he shouldn't have and he says he didn't say it in the context in which it's being interpreted and to be fair another panellist at the event said well she didn't see she, she, she didn't see a problem really with it. He, she saw where he was coming from and accepted that there was no bad intent. But in discussing Black Lives Matter and other such items, um, the argument is that a senior public representative like our Lord Mayor should have known that the term all lives matter in no matter what context you intended and in no matter what phrase or form or tone you use it is toxic to that discussion. It is toxic to that discussion. PJ, the person who prepared the speech for the Lord Mayor should have warned him about it. It's a resignation offence. He went, he was off script with it. He was off script. But possibly his publicity people in the City Hall might have taken him inside and said, whatever you do, don't say all lives matter. That's true. I wouldn't know the comments had an adverse meaning, says this. To me, English is English, and we can't know the background. For God's sake, what's the country coming to? It's okay to say black lives matter. It's okay to say travellers matter. But we can't say all lives matter. And in no way can we say white lives matter. Well, all lives matter has been taken as a trope for white supremacy, effectively. That's, that's the problem with it. It's been stolen as a... As a trope, Kim says all lives should matter. It shouldn't be offensive to any group, irrespective of how it may be associated with others. Have we really got to the point where we're so conscious of every word? Yes, we have. Bill says there was no malice. Is that not the key element to this? 1850-715-996. After the news, I will be um, looking to talk about vaccine rollout. Um, talking to Dr. Dr. Nula O'Connor, who's the COVID lead of the Irish College General Practitioners about where the next steps are in the rollout of the vaccine because we know that the big centres are opening over the next couple of weeks, one down at City Hall 
it's the over 85s, then the over 70s. Where are the rest of us going to fit in? Where is everybody going to fit in? Who's going to vaccinate special groups? Are special groups going to get a bump up? What is happening? So we'll address some of those questions after the news at 10 o'clock. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Well, say when I saw that story from Melbourne uh, last night, I thought, you know, that's how it's done. The Premier there announced last evening that the state of Melbourne or the state of Victoria would go into a five-day circuit breaker from midnight, literally from within hours. The rules changed there and then. No more spectators at the tennis and nothing moves for the next five days. They have 13 cases out there. And looking at the various news sources, it's 13 cases connected to somebody who worked in a hotel, I think a quarantine hotel, and the case got out of the hotel and 13 people have it. So what they do is they lock the state down, isolate all those people, isolate all their contacts, and aggressively stamp it out over the stage of the next five, six, seven days. That's what they do. That's how you do it. Um, a lot of people are going on this morning about, oh, that's why zero COVID will never work because you'll go back into lockdown. No, you don't. You do a circuit breaker when you get a case in the community, like they did in New Zealand there recently when they got one case in the community. That's how it's done. Fair play to the Australians. Fair play. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp is 83 The email, opinion at 96mm.ie. If you missed any of the first hour of our show then you can get the podcast this afternoon, usually ready in mid-afternoon. goes up first on Twitter and then all your platforms, including the Cork's 96FM app. And remember, it doesn't cost you a penny piece. Right, vaccination. Look, it'll be a while before I get mine, before Terry gets his, before Fergal gets his. But uh, from Monday next, they're starting to roll out the vaccine to the over 70s, which, of course, includes the over 85s. They'll be forced. There are a number of major vaccine centres have opened around the city, including one down, around the country, rather, including one down there at City Hall, mass vaccination centres, and they'll roll it out starting with the over 85s and then working down. Now, people have been very critical of the pace of the rollout, saying that it, it is slow. But actually, by European standards, per head of population, per size of population, we're actually one of the fastest. It mightn't look like that when you compare it, say, to the UK. But in terms of the rest of Europe, for our population size, we are one of the fastest in rolling out the vaccines. Let us, um, though, take a look and see more closely how we are planning to roll it out. I'm very happy to be joined by Dr. Nula O'Connor. She's the COVID-19 lead uh, with uh, the Irish Council of General Practitioners. And Dr. O'Connor, thank you for taking time to be with us this morning because I know it's it's a clinical day for you. It's a busy day for you. Good morning. Morning, PJ. A lot of people are asking the question, Nula, and I suppose it's a logical question. I'm. These are my circumstances. When can I expect my vaccine? And is it really very slow? But let's start at the start. From Monday, it's going into the general public, isn't it? Yeah, so I suppose you're right in what you quoted there, that Ireland is currently third in the European uh, Union for doses per hundred of population. And, and naturally, we look towards uh, the UK, but you must remember now that the UK, and uh, a couple of differences, uh, they are independent of the European Union now. They also have two... Um, 
uh, manufacturing sites for AstraZeneca um, uh, on there uh, in the UK, and they started three weeks ahead of us. You know, so so I think uh, we, you know, there's a couple of, of uh, significant advances that they have, but you, know, everyone in this country is going to get vaccinated. Uh, the difficulty at the moment is the supply chain, yeah. um, um, but that is going that will ramp up. Mm. Um, and uh, in fact, we will have more vaccines than we actually need um, uh, for Ireland. Uh, uh, you know, as we head in towards uh, uh, the, mm. the, the summer, the summer months. So, oh, really? uh, every, everybody, everybody will get vaccinated, um, um, and it, it, there will be. You know, it, it, it's the supply chain is always with, with vaccines, and currently at the moment, it's the supply chain is the big limiting thing because. Uh, when you look at the amount of vaccinations and um, the amount of vaccine has arrived in, in Ireland, at the end of each week, they do a tally. Mm. And it, literally, as fast as it's, as, as it's coming in, it's being sent out and it's getting into people's arms. Mm. Um, so what we'll be doing next week is with, with the first, I suppose, reach out um, into uh, the community of people who are living in their own homes. So with the vaccine, um, the, the premise behind the vaccine is to actually get those who are most vulnerable, mm-hmm. medically vulnerable, vaccinated first and those who care for them. Yeah. So that's why the first group were the over 65s who are resident in our nursing homes and long-term care facilities because we know they are the people that have suffered most from the burden of this disease. In our first wave, 56% of the deaths were in those elderly nursing home residents. So they were our first priority. And the people who care for them, because by, by, by A, it means that they will be there to care for them, but also it reduces the risk of anyone bringing COVID into, into those centres. The second group then that we started with were all front-facing healthcare workers, because as you've seen, there's been problems in our acute hospitals and also in the community with significant amount of, of healthcare staff absent either because they've been exposed to COVID and they're restricting their movements or they're recovering from COVID themselves. So we need to have a healthy workforce to be able uh, to care for people and to provide all of the healthcare services that we need uh, for the um, patients out in, in, in the community. So the third group then are those who are over 70 and who are living in their own houses at home or with, with their families in the community. Yeah. Because again, age is the biggest, the single biggest determinant of whether you're going to get severe disease or die from disease is actually age. Yes. Um, so that's why we need the next group we need to move is, is the over 70s. And we're starting with the most elderly. So we're starting with the over 85s because they have, a, if you're over 85, you're a higher risk than somebody who's 70 to 75. That's the way that we're, that we're doing this. So what we are doing in, in general practice is where all of our over 70s population is through their general practitioners that they're going to be uh, vaccinated. So over the next uh, three weeks, we're, there's a rollout to next week, we're starting with 84 of the larger general practices um, in the community who have over 200 patients over 75, over right. 70 years of age, and they need to have over 80 85-year-olds. Do, do we know approximately, Dr O'Connor, how many people in the country are over 70 and will be eligible for this vaccine? Yeah, we know that there's approximately 72,000 uh, over 70s living um, uh, in the, sorry, 72k over 85s 
we've nearly 500,000 over 70s, um, but that's a mixture of people in nursing homes and at home. So in terms of the over 85s, we've 72,000 who are living in their own homes. So the way it's going to happen is next week there's going to be 12,000 vaccines. The vaccines given the following week, it's 42,000. And then the third week will be another 42,000. But at that stage, we'll be getting down into the 80 to 85. So mm. it's rolling it's, it's up. We're starting with 80, um, approximately 84 large practices. Um, and we're also starting, as you mentioned, there's this, the hub. So there's um, there's a hub in CIT, actually. The, the, the one in the uh, City Hall is just being worked up for kind of a different population. Okay. So we're going to be using one in CIT for the um, uh, for some of the small, where the small, you know, some, some GP practices would only have a very small number of people who are over 85. And because of the way we have to pack down and transport these fragile vaccines, you can't do it in a small enough um, um, amount to be delivered um, uh, uh, safely. So right. that's when we're bringing the patients and the GPs and their practice right. nurses and their team together in the centre. So, so how will someone them. know, take someone now listening to me and, and their mother is, is 75 but she's in good health and she's anxious to know when she'll get her vaccine. Do okay. they have to do anything? No. Your GP will be in contact with you but at the moment they're going to be in contact for, for uh, with, we're starting with the over 85s. So anyone, people who are over 85, um, your GP will be in contact with you and it will happen. So not every 85 year old will be next week. Okay, so the 85s are going to be started. They'll all have had their first dose within three weeks. Okay, so that's the way it's 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 panning out around the country. Okay, okay. Now then, I I take it that as the various cohorts are complete, it it'll move to the next cohort. Exactly. The question that will uh, I, I I suspect is on many listeners' minds is okay. So my local GP practice, if we like, runs out of over 70s. Will then they move on to the next age cohort or do they have to wait for the whole country to move on to the next age cohort? Well, we will, we've quite specific um, instructions on what to do uh, if it gets to the stage that, so you're going from 85 to, um, um, and, and you, you, you're coming towards the end of your 85, we actually have to have a reserve list ready. Okay, um, because the other kind of thing that makes it a little bit trickier with this is that, say, for instance, in our practice, we're, we're lucky we're one of the 84 practices that's starting next week. So we're getting the Pfizer vaccine and each file of that um, um, officially contains six doses. But in fact, you can get a seventh dose out of most, but not all. Yes. So we have to book in people on the basis that we're going to get six doses. But we then have to reserve list because as the day rolls on, rolls on, they'll say, OK, yeah, we're getting more out of each of these files. And we have to have a short list dose so people are going to be able to come within an hour. So you can move that on. That's going to happen at every section. So when we get down to the 70s, we um, at, at that stage, we'll be moving down then into the 65 to 69 if we've some left over. Um, um, and the so the, you know the, the, there's quite clear guidelines uh, for us us to follow with that at every stage of it. Okay, can, can you say with any certainty? And I guess certainty is is a very difficult and and um, commodity at the moment, shall we say? Can you say with any certainty that people in their sixties, fifties, forties will they get a vaccine or at least the first dose of a vaccine by the summer, by the autumn? Does anybody know? 
Um, it's a very difficult question and it's a difficult question and, and um, I, I actually um, sit on the, the task force and, and this is the kind of thing that the task force gets asked all the time and uh, it's very hard to put an end date on this because of the variability in the supply chain actually of the vaccine. So there, there are things at factors at play that we don't have any control over. Um, but we certainly really do hope and expect that by the end of August that um, everyone over 16, because the, the vaccine isn't licensed for those under 16, so in terms of the population, at the moment it's not licensed, so that everybody um, a, will be offered a vaccine uh, before the mm. end of August. And of course we're talking this morning in the context of having three licensed vaccines. There's a very yes. strong possibility that Johnson & Johnson would be next and quite quickly and that's a game changer because that's a single yeah. shot, not a double shot. Absolutely. And, and, and there could be other ones. So yeah. as we get more vaccines, will we get more supply and will that shorten the time? Um it, it's possible, but, but you know, it's possible that it will shorten the time and I sincerely hope it will do. But it, it's very difficult for us to put definite time frames on any of these because, uh, you know, as you know, we thought we thought we were going to be doing AstraZeneca in the over 70s. And we all know what's happened with that. Yes. So, you know, uh, there, there, even though the World Health Organization now says we could. Well, you have to read carefully into what the World Health Organization said, and it's what we also said here, is that um, all of these vaccines, all three vaccines that are currently um, uh, licensed for use in this country, um, they can all be used in all age groups. But when you have the availability of the three vaccines that we have, and when you look at the studies, we have better data for effectiveness Right. in the over 70s population with the mRNA vaccines. Now, another thing that's really important, and I don't think it's come out so much, is that all of the vaccines are extremely successful in reducing the risk of severe disease, yes. hospitalisation and death. All of them. Yes. The, the variance at the moment is in their effectiveness in stopping you from picking up COVID. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you are from you to, being transmissible, as in. Well, we don't know about the transmissibility data. Yes, we're yeah. only, only getting that. That that's another another kind of piece of the puzzle. Um, so when you have a situation where you have your most, as I, as I mentioned to you, the highest risk of, of of severe disease and dying is based on your age. Right. So when you have your over seventies population and you have three vaccines, and you know that based on the current available data that has been published, that there is an advantage in that population. You, you haven't proven it. As, as in, in, you know, it, one of them hasn't been proven in that population, even though it's expected that it will. Um, um, and you know that it's proven in the other two. Well, then, you know... You, 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 go, go, you go with what you, you know. With, exactly. Assuming that the rollout starts Monday, when would people begin to hear from their GP or will they have heard already? Should they have heard already? It will, it will depend on whether the, um, the, the, that their GP is involved next week. But many GPs are actually ringing to check and verify their lists because we, we, we all have um, computerised lists. But, you know, so for... Like, say, for instance, in our practice, we have some people who are, were not their regular GP, but they've been staying with a family member um, during uh, mm. level five. So 
obviously they then would are need to come to us so they've been contacting with that with some people who are staying here from the European Union who are staying with their family members so what GPs have been doing is GPs are actually actively ringing to check are you in your own home okay. you'll be coming here for your vaccine all of that so I think uh, just just give um, your own practice uh, just a little bit of time check their website okay. we'll be putting things on, on their website as well but okay. we but in general, GPs are all starting to reach out to their over 85s uh, to check on them and to find out, first of all, if, if they would like to take the vaccine, because it's obviously everyone's choice as to whether they take the vaccine or not, um, if they're able to come, uh, physically come to the surgery and uh, whether they need assistance, all that type of thing we're checking with our patients. Finally, and I don't know whether you can comment on this, there was quite a, a story yesterday on a national radio programme when a GP said he would not be administering the vaccine. Do you know if there's any resistance among GPs to administer it? That's uh, highly unusual within general practice because as you know we vaccinate um, we do all the childhood immunisations uh, we vaccinate um, our pregnant ladies, we do the flu and pneumonia vaccine every year. In fact general practice as a whole is immensely uh, pro-vaccination and our um, uh, practice nurses are probably the most experienced vaccinators in the country. Right. Uh, uh, but uh, so I mean it, 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 it's very, it saddens me as, as a professional uh, that somebody would not be willing to give vaccine but nobody's going to be left behind and the HSE um, and uh, our college uh, we will ensure uh, that there are pathways available for everybody to receive this vaccine Okay listen thank you for your time this morning Dr Nuala O'Connor really appreciate it Uh, she's the COVID-19 lead the Irish College of General Practitioners and a GP uh, herself here in Cork 185715996 you will be contacted or your mum, or your granny, or someone, or dad, or granddad, will be contacted by their own GP practice and given an appointment and told where to go and when to go there. That's as much, I think, as we can glean from that conversation. And as the as the age cohorts come down, it'll work the same way for most of us. The Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See motors.ie It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com weight loss that's plushcare.com weight loss plushcare.com weight loss <laughs> This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Obviously, people are very worried about their own particular individual's case in in getting a vaccine. Marion, good morning. Good morning, Mick. 
You're, you're very am. worried about, about, about your own situation. I am, yeah, because I have a daughter. She's my carer. Right. No. She's not classed as a frontline kit, frontline worker. Okay. And if she gets sick in the morning, make I want to look after me. Yes, I see. She's the only one I have. And I got polio myself when I was young. Okay. And I'm locked up now since I've been long, and I'm afraid she gets sick. Yeah. And I love no one. Yeah. No, I can't make, make up why they don't class them as, because there's a lot of people out there have family carers. Yes. And they're not classed as frontline carers. And then they come on last night and they refuse the vaccine to frontline carers. Some of them have, yeah. Now, you'd be in your late 60s, I think, Marion, yeah. would you? Which means you're, you're, you're not in this first group. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm already sick. I'm trying to you know, in case I get sick or she gets sick. She's gone down out this morning to get my groceries. Mm-hmm. And she only goes open and on back again. Yes. Oh, she's up at half to six every morning. Her husband drops her off because she don't drive. Yes. And she's here the night at four o'clock in the day or half as well. Yes. I mean, she does more work at than them at times, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And have you been talking to your doctor or anything about this? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. about the vaccine, I might be waiting a long time for it, like, you know? Yeah. I've seen the cures after waiting to the minister for health. They're not sure. That's why I heard. Yeah. But, uh, there's no feedback in it and I'm just nervous because she do get sick and bring it into me. Yeah. You know, and, and what she, age is she, Marion? She's 36. She's 36, which means she's mm. way down the list. She is, yeah. And she's not classed as a frontline carer, no? None, none of the family carers are classed as frontline yeah. carers. Yeah, I know. It's only the frontline carers are classed. I know. They're forgetting about people walking in the homes. I know. I mean, she's not even in with me. And may I ask, does she get a carer's allowance for looking after she you? Is, yeah. She does. So, yeah. so she is recognised as a as a as a carer. Yeah. Well, she must be, but then the, the doctor, the the government are not recognising the family carers. Yeah, I think I think that's another interesting issue. Thank you very much, Marion, for that, and I wish you well, and I hope that you I hope that you hold out until such time as you or she can get your own jabs. And there's a thing: the family carers not being recognised in terms of vaccine, as in they're not being prioritised in terms of the vaccine. So that's another group that have a claim. They're looking after a vulnerable family member, thousands of them, thousands of them. And uh, and definitely uh, they have a case for, for being, being, if you like, bounced up uh, the list a little bit, so they do. 1850-715-996. Liam says we should mes- mention the nun. Yes, this is a lovely story. Uh, it was one of the Anne finalies in the news the other night. Uh, she's 117. And she is the oldest woman in Europe and the second oldest person. She's the oldest person in Europe and the second oldest person in the world. And she's a nun. And she celebrated her 117th birthday. In, in France, and having had COVID and survived COVID. Wow. Yeah, she's worth a mention. I saw it on the news. Now, Linda, good morning to you. Hello. Something completely different. Your, your husband... Yeah. Now, you, you were on about um, Valentine's messages, and you say your husband doesn't believe in Valentine's Day. He doesn't. He never has. He thinks it's one of those hallmark holidays that, um, you know, he doesn't think... He needs to 
have one specific day where he gets to tell me he loves me or anything. So will you he get has, a card, uh, no? Um, the odd year, I would. I mean, there was one year, it was very funny. Um, well, looking back on it, it was very funny. Um, I was shopping with our eldest boy. He was about six or seven at the time. And I got a phone call on my mobile and he asked me to pass the phone to our son, Ryan. So I did. And then Ryan, after a few minutes, hung up and came over to me and said, Ma'am, can I borrow five euros? And he went and he bought a card because Rob had completely forgotten and just didn't want, you know, to go to too much trouble. So he ended up getting me a very funny card that I still have, actually. I've kept the ones he has bothered with over the years. Yeah. But but he's one of these people that reckons it's just it's just a festival for the the hallmark and the florists and but the sweet manufacturer. It, yeah, I mean he he's always said he doesn't need a specific day to tell me he loves me or show me that he loves me. He does it every other day of the year, and he does. I mean he does every day. He tells me he loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm at work and he's been at work um, before COVID, he'd phone me. Um, if I was at home as well and he'd let me know he loved me and stuff and see everything was okay um, but then there are days where you know it's little things he does you know if I come home from work and I'm exhausted tired um, he like when I used to do a twilight shift he'd have the spell ready and he'd have a glass of wine ready for me uh, mm-hmm. like last Saturday yeah I came home from work and I was just all stressed out and stuff and he just he had everything you know, it was it was just so sweet to come home and not have to worry because he had already done the laundry. Yeah. He had seen things. You're now uh, shaming every other man in Cork. You know that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, what did, what did he do for you, Saturday? He went steam cleaning. He did. He steam cleaned the, our ensuite and they, our overall rain the last kind of few weeks. We ended up, um, our insulation in the attic kind of... Um, got damaged so we had mildew coming in on the ceiling and he scrubbed all that down as well um, and then steam cleaned the, the kind of guest kids bathroom and the landing and just he was brilliant so <laughs> I was like oh my goodness and then there are days where I come home from work and even though he's working from home um, he knows that when I come home you know it's a different type of stress from what he's doing Um because I work in a nursing home and stuff, okay. and he's he'd have a dinner ready, or the kids would have as well. But he he's always doing something every day. That I just know, you know. So what's his name? It took me a while, Rob. Rob, Rob Jordan. Okay. Yeah. So he's brilliant. He really is. So so he kind of doesn't need to do anything for Sunday. He no, he doesn't. But you know, it's a case of um, we. There was a few kind of Valentines where you know. I, I love the holiday. I love all holidays and I wanted to, to mark it. So I, you know, I got him to help me make a dinner first uh, one or two years and then other years when the kids were a bit older, we included them in and we had a special Valentine's meal with the kids and things like that. So it, we don't go out. We never go out for Valentine's for a meal or anything. It's just one of those things. That'd be like an act so. of faith with him. Like he'd never think of that, would he? No, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> go eat the night either side. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> when when he gets an ocean to his head, he he do something, but never for Valentine's. Right. No, he's a little treasure, no. though. I think he was meant to be. Uh, he is. You know, I I he always says that he's very lucky man to have me, but I remind him that you know it we're a team that I'm extremely lucky to have him too. Mm. So we're like 19 years married this year and 20 years together, and it's just God. That was it, a whirlwind. 
Yeah, well, would you believe now that the most romantic thing he's ever done is after three months of being together, he proposed. <laughs> so, yeah, and we got married then to the day that we had actually started dating. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. All right. He's a special one. He really is. All right. Linda, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. 1850-715-996. It's all right, lads. If you forget the Valentine's card or the chocolates or the flowers or whatever, just steam clean the bathroom and have wine ready when she comes in and she'll be delighted with you yeah thank you Linda she just shamed every other man in the city and country actually is your other half a bit like Linda's like look it is a major payday for the card manufacturers and in normal times it would be a major payday for the florists but let's not get into that that went demented elsewhere during the week the florists are losing out this year and Aldi and the mall are doing 100 euros for, I don't know, 40 cents or something, or 100 roses for 40. Something. That's an old discussion in itself. But do we, are you one of these people that thinks Valentine's Day? Sure, it's only a racket. I shows you I loves you every other day. Isn't that enough for you? And for the women, is it enough for you? Do they do little things? Is it the little things that matter rather than the big gestures? I'd love to know. 1850-715-996 one or two more of our lines uh, our chat up lines if happiness starts with H God if happiness starts with H why does mine start with you uh, my buddies bet me I wouldn't be able to start a conversation with the hottest person in this bar want to buy some drinks with their money thank you Brian let's get a few more of these up they're good they're good uh, we are not socks, but I think we'd make a great pair. Oh, sweet God. If you were a burger in McDonald's, we'd be called the gorgeous. Ah, please. Do better than that for our great prize at the Clayton Hotel. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. A few things on the vaccines. How do you know when your GP practice will get the vaccine? They will call you. If you're in the age cohort, like the over 85s, the 85s and over, they're the first, and then it'll work down to the over 70s. They will call you when they're involved in the scheme, they and they have the vaccine, and they have a booking for you. They will call you. That's the clear understanding from Dr. O'Connor. Uh, what about people with heart conditions and other conditions? When is their time? Will their GPs be in touch? I, I suspect strongly their GPs will be in touch, and maybe you can keep in contact with your GP on that very subject. Good morning. I can't come on air due to constraints in work policy. But nurses and care staff in a disability service in Cork do not have the vaccine. There have been many outbreaks within disability services, so it's awful to have staff and the residents that are so vulnerable waiting for so long. And there's a lot about that. There's certainly a lot about that, that certain care sectors have had it and certain care sectors have not. Only talking there while I go to Marion, whose daughter is her carer and on a carer's allowance for that very purpose. She's not eligible for a vaccine. And Marion is living in fear because of her complex medical needs. And that's a real issue. Uh, and it's something that they're going to have to try to sort out in some way or another. They can't honestly just keep going, counting down the ages all the way. Uh, 
because there's going to be exceptions. 1850-715-996. Come here, Saturday, tomorrow, you can join Trevor Welsh again on 96fm.ie or indeed on the 96fm app for Premier League Live, exclusively online and powered by TalkSport. Big lineup for Trevor this weekend. Leicester against Liverpool, half past 12. Crystal Palace versus Burnley at 3. Manchester City v Tottenham at 5.30 and Brighton against Aston Villa at 8. It's the Premier League live online with Now Now TV streaming live action from BT Sport and Premier Sports on the Now TV Sports Extra Pass. Listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. To remind you again of our competition, and, and yes you can, whoever texted in there to say, uh, can you enter twice, you absolutely can enter twice. Now, obviously we'd prefer you to have a second chat-up line for the second entry, but if you want to enter 30 times with different lines, you can do that at 083 396 96 96. The prize, and we have one today, one on Monday, one on Tuesday. Also, Wayne's got one tomorrow on his Saturday show. It's with the Clayton Hotel Cork, and the prize every day is an overnight stay in a superior Riverview balcony room, dinner for two in their Globe restaurant and bar, and complimentary access to their Club Vitae Leisure Club with the 18-metre pool. Text us your cheesiest, and there's some pretty awful cheese coming in. More cheese than the back end of a pizza parlour. Text us your cheesiest pick-up lines, and then listen to win. We'll pick one just before we quit at uh, 5 to 12. And uh, thanks to the Clayton Hotel Cork, winner of Best Cork Hotel in 2020 uh, by Cork Business Association. So keep them coming. The cornier, the nearer the knuckle, the better. Some of them coming in would probably get me sued, but sure, that's okay too. Uh, but the best ones, we pick the best one around 5 to 12. Now, if you are of Chinese origin or if you're part of the Chinese community in Cork, this is Chinese New Year as of today. It's just they celebrated in February. We celebrate New Year on the 31st of January, or 31st of December, and I'm sure it's New Year's Day there as well, but they have a traditional celebration in February. And each year is named after an animal. And this year is the Year of the Ox. And reading into it, they tell you that it is a year of good fortune. And we could certainly use some of that over the next 12 months, couldn't we? Uh, May O'Donovan, May, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Say that again very slowly so I might be able to repeat it back to you. Yeah. Gong hei fa choy. That's that's. Thank you. Now, so together, it means that, you know, wish you a very fortunate uh, new year. Thank you very much, and the same to you. Um, Thank you. To tell me about, first of all, mm-hmm. how how the Chinese celebrate New Year. It, is it a huge celebration? Yes, yes, because uh, in Chinese, you know, this is the new start of the Lunar New Year. Uh, for us, you know, in the farmer society back then, it means, you know, all the harvest is already done, so it's the time for rest. And then we're gathering for, with family. And the most important thing is, like, the New Year will bring in, you know, new kind of cycle of luck. You know, we believe in. So it's very important to have a good start. That's why we celebrate with loads of gold, gold color, you know, like red and silvery color. Uh, you know, hopefully we will bring in loads of fortune and happiness for the next year. And also with abundance of food and uh, visiting family and friends. 
it's a really like a big Christmas time for you know the Western culture. Gotcha. So how will you? And I know in these difficult times, everything's got to be yeah. done uh, properly. But but how will you mm. celebrate? Me? So I will still keep some tradition. You know, for example, definitely do different kind of traditional food. Well, a few things is very important. You know, like at the end of the year, it's actually last two days. It's kind of the New Year end. We will, you know, have a dinner between family. It's kind of like a gathering dinner. This means, you know, we're finishing the, the year now and we everyone sit down together, have a nice dinner, you know, bring in the good luck for the next year. And then it's kind of prepared, you know, a few days before. And then so for today, the New Year Day, we try to do as little as possible. So, you know, we do most of the cooking. Last two days, we make a lot of like New Year cake, like a pudding kind of thing. It's sweet and savory. So two few different kinds. And New Year cake is very important because it kind of means, you know, you're getting higher and higher after year after year. So this means, you know, if you're children, you get taller. If you're in a career, you get promotion. You, if you're studying, you know, you're hoping your result will be getting higher mark. So it's a, the, the most of the best symbol, you know, for the, for the New Year food. And also we would decorate the house with some red, uh, you know, red is a Chinese color anyway, you know, yes. kind of lucky color. And yes. also we have a lot of like little food, like oranges, mandarin. So the little orange kind of means lucky and the, the big orange kind of means like a success. So all those kind of decorate around the house and some red symbol, um, like lion and yes. white hang lantern, you know, just give a lovely, cheerful atmosphere around the house. And yes. we do food between family. And, and, each year is for a different animal, and this year is the year of the ox. So, so what yeah, does that yeah. particularly mean in culture? So, uh, and this year is a metal ox. That's why, you know, they say, you know, being in good fortune. And uh, obviously, uh, for the symbol of the personality, it can mean, you know, like a strong, reliable serenity, and also um, very hardworking. And it's, a, it's actually a very solid year. So we're hoping... This year, everything would go much, much, much better. You know, you know, a lot of improvement for everyone. You know, everyone's life. Yeah. I think we we need the hope. You know, yeah. so yeah, hopefully, you it's, know, it's a good year happen. given the difficult it's, year it's that everybody had year, last yeah. year. It's good to have a, a year of good fortune, and we we certainly hope it'll bring it'll bring some of us uh, some good fortune yeah, and yeah, most yeah. most we most. Have, of, yeah, we have to you know definitely hope for that, and of course, like, all this good thing would you know. Coming, coming to everyone. Okay, take care and mm. and and repeat it again for me so I can repeat it back to you. Yeah. Thank you very much, May. Now let's go to Mary. Uh, Mary, good morning to you. Good morning. Now you you have Cork Chinese New Year dot com website. It's a big yes. event. How many Chinese people or people of Chinese origin do we have in Cork? Do you know that's a question I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Cork Chinese New Year uh, event is not just open for Chinese people. Um, it's for everybody, yeah. all Corkonians. Um, so I've never actually counted, but Cork has very strong links with yeah. China because Cork twinned with Shanghai. Yes. And we were the first city to twin with the Chinese city. Yeah. Now, normally there would be events, but you can't do that this year. So it's all going no, online. No, we can't. It's all going online. Normally we would have, I think last year we had like 2,000 people came to visit the event. So this year we're doing a 1,000 lamp ceremony online. And if you go to our website, there's a link. 
and we're also going to broadcast it live on YouTube and Facebook. And we're asking everybody to light a candle and make a wish. And we're also making a virtual wall of candles and wishes. And for the, for the, for the two weeks of the Chinese New Year period, we're asking everybody who feels like it to make a little video of themselves with a candle and make a wish. And we're going to put that all up in a wall of light. Yeah. It's a lovely tradition. And over the years, I think, here in Cork, Fergal is telling me there's about 8,000 people of Chinese ethnicity in Cork, quite a, quite a big number. Over the years, you know, we've watched it grow in, into quite a, a nice celebration. Yes, yes. And, and it's, it, it's great because it's getting people to know different cultures. We're getting to know Chinese culture and the Chinese are getting to know our culture. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we have a great relationship with the Chinese in Ireland, don't we? I do, because I think we're all foodies. Yeah. We all love food. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, um, it, during my time in China, every time you uh, did anything or went anywhere, there was enormous amounts of food everywhere. <laughs> if, if, you know, it were, and, and I think we have that, that tradition of sharing food and celebrating food um, and celebrating family mm-hmm. very much in Ireland as well. So if, one, if people want to take part in the online events, it's CorkChineseNewYear.com. And what time can... We'll, it's at eight, we're starting at 8 o'clock on Saturday evening. And we're first going to do a traditional Buddhist chanting ceremony. Um, and where in the temple we will be lighting uh, a lot of candles. And we are going to invite everyone at home to light a candle at the same time. And then um, that lasts for about an hour. And then we have a showcase of Cork talent, uh, which has been pre-recorded. Um, so we have um, Amanda Neary is singing for us. Uh, we have Jason Butler, who is a, a young, talented songwriter, has written a song. Um, and that lasts for about half an hour. And then we have a second ceremony. This is on Saturday. And then at the end of that uh, ceremony on Saturday evening, we have a Buddha relic blessing through the Internet. And it's all live streamed on YouTube and Facebook. And if you just Google it, you'll find us. And then for the the next two weeks, we're collecting videos of anybody who would like to make a wish for the coming year, for the year of the ox. Because we've had a really tough year. So get your phones out, get a candle, video yourself, make a wish, and we're going to put it online. And then on the 27th, uh, at a location which we haven't actually decided because everything is changing moment to moment, we are going to light, physically light, 1,000 candles in the shape of a giant lotus flower with all of the wishes that we've collected of 1,000 wishes from people in Cork. And uh, then we're going to have like a little singing ceremony. Okay. And that's the close of Chinese New Year. Now... Oh, and you'll be live streaming that as well? We will be live streaming that from a drone. Oh, so wow. we still haven't located the drone, but if anybody listening has a drone and would like to help us out, that would be super. Yes, because it, visually it'll be quite impactful. Indeed, and from a drone it'll be stunning. Stunning, stunning. Um, and Amanda Neary is, is going to sing uh, 
what is this? Oh, gosh. My head. The name has gone out That's of me. Okay. But anyway, her voice is beautiful anyhow. Marvellous, marvellous. All right, listen, listen. I, I wish you and all those connected to it uh, a very happy Chinese New Year. They'll be celebrating for the next fortnight. You see, that's kind of the reason. Thank you, Mary. That's kind of the reason why the Irish and the Chinese, I think, get on so well. Because we celebrate Christmas and New Year for about three months. They celebrate New Year for two whole weeks. You can see why we all get on, don't you? All online, if you're interested in it. Want to just watch it, see how they do it. The colour, the music, the food. CorkChineseNewYear.com the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. It didn't come in on text or WhatsApp, which means that, Mick, you can't really enter it for the competition, but <laughs> a little rhyme for you all, he says, to put you into the Valentine spirit. Roses are red, they're bought from a garage. I know they're half dead, but so is our marriage. I love that. 1850-715-996, the number, the text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96 and the Cork's 96fm Facebook page. Send your messages, please, for the attention of the Opinion Line. If you missed anything in our first two hours this morning, do not forget the whole show goes up as a podcast in mid-afternoon. We tweet the link as soon as it's ready, and then it goes to all your various platforms. And if you subscribe to flat platforms, it gets updated automatically for you every day, and it doesn't cost you a penny piece. 1850-715-996. Now, Valentine's is a time of love and celebration. Um, but at the time, it's a, at the moment, it's a time of very cold and hostile and nasty weather. In fact, in fact, all the people who were given out to me two weeks ago about spring. Look out of that now and tell me why it's spring. Will you? Tell me why. Anyway, that's, that's, that's a by the by. But we were talking about the founder of Idel House, Sister Colette Hickey, back at the start of February. And Sister Colette celebrated her 103rd birthday at the Bon Secours home on Lee Road. And she's in good health and fine fettle. And she talks to them down at uh, Idel House quite regularly uh, even at the moment Sister Jane was telling me they speak almost every day and she's as sharp of mind as she ever was even if the body is a bit frail and at the age of 103 you can see how it might be but um, we wished her a happy birthday we were thrilled to, to be able to do that now Andrew uh, Andrew Carroll who we spoke to on the show previously about branding and agencies and advertising Andrew's launching his own uh, agency, his own online advertising agency at the moment um, but he was doing an online 80s show to launch it and now he's been motivated to, to raise money through it for a Dell house. Andrew, good morning and good to talk to you again oh, yeah. So tell me first of all, you're, you're doing this event to launch a new agency, tell me about the agency first no, it's not the agency it has been launched. Right. The agency was launched on the the first of the first. Very um, good. What I do is is this is um, I'm launching an eighties night on brand. Um, as you know, I've been playing house for over twenty two, twenty three years. Yes. And um, for the last two to three years, I've switched over um, playing eighties. Well, I suppose house music originated out of the eighties. Yes, of course. You know, with you know, 
craft work and no yeah. order, you know. So basically, I tested the waters last September in Ibiza and started playing 80s. Instead of bringing a box of house records, I bought a box of 80s records with me. Right, so much right. so that I've had interest in Ibiza. Um, New York, Miami for this 80s night. Right. So, yeah, there's, there's a list of cities to go to whenever COVID decides to go away. Um, so anyway, I, I was listening to your program on with the, the sister from the dead house. So I said, look, this... This is going to be launched soon, so I said, why not go online? Actually, John Murphy, John Murphy, now a friend of mine, had asked me to go online with the gigs for people mm. just to see, you know, just to listen to, um, just to do, because of... We're not going yeah. out. Yeah, so it kind of snowballed from there. I said, right, okay, there's a bit of an audience. There's people right. here that need something. Why okay. not set up a night and give the money that's raised to? So you had that sister on, I said, and I said to that one, right. I'd give 50% to... He did house, and I decided then to give the other fifty percent to helping homeless. Okay. Um, when is the when is it on, Andrew? And how can people it's, contribute? Um, it's on tomorrow night from eight to ten. Um, the GoFundMe page has been set up. It's on my page. It's on Deirdre Barry's page, and it's on Stephanie Powell's page. Stephanie does a lot of work behind the scenes for helping homeless, and um, is one of these. You say unsung heroes, you know, not that they are want to be known as that. Yeah. But um, these are the people that are really, you know, doing work for charities. Okay. For, for, forgive me because I, yep. I was thinking that you were using it also to launch the agency. Tell no, me a bit agency, about the agency. The agency has been launched. The agency was launched on the 1st of the 1st. Actually, since so, with this, ooh, the, it was the Guinness, I was on TV for Christmas. Uh, yeah, we talked about old soccer shirts yeah, and Adidas, stuff, yeah. The, the Adidas interview. Since that interview, I've actually got 53 jobs. <laughs> after that interview with you back in the... Um, designing in, stuff. Yeah, yeah, designing everything. Um, a line of um, leisure wear for a personality that would be on RTE, which obviously I can't confirm at the moment, or, you know. Right, be right, right. Um, Because remind, remind people again, we were talking about old old football shorts and stuff, and, and you came on and you said, hang on, I designed such and such a thing, and I meant something. Um, yeah, Tell me about it again, remind us again. Yeah, what it was was I the it was the launch of the new Umbro Umbro Irish kit on the the sixth of sixth mm, of October. Yes, yeah. yes. It was Jonathan Courtney. That's right. And the following week was the twelfth. We were all over playing England, and um, so I spoke to Fergal and we got the ball rolling. And um, yeah, I've, look, there's I've been asked to do a couple of leisure wear ranges, and I will be bringing out my own. Yeah, because you you were sketching as a youngster, weren't you? And, and and some of your yeah. sketches got taken up. And That's correct for Mick O'Connell when he had ideas in Tomorrowland. It was the Irish Italian eighty top, actually. That's what it was. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so. that's what it was. And then we were on about the the Guinness ad after that with uh, Frank O'Brien up and like, you know your friend they yes. lighted on the ad. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. So, that's right. Yeah, since those two interviews, I've had fifty three jobs come in, Fair which I thank both you and Frogan. You know, Fair thanks for play. Yeah. So now, you I also said, want to dedicate it. Yeah, you also make money for charity distance. Good man, good man. You also want to dedicate it, and I know you, like many of us, you were very upset to hear the passing of Ted Dunn this week. Yeah, and you wanted to uh, dedicate it to his memory as well. Yeah, I said, look, we we can send them, we can give the money to both charities, but we'll do it in honour of Ted. Yeah, because you know, I think Larry made references to the other day that look, when COVID goes away. 
you know, we'd have loved to see Ted back in action. That's right. You know, and he would have, you know, I know he said he wasn't going to do it, but you know, you know, well, as well as I do. As I said to you, uh, Ted, Ted has been retiring for the last yeah. 10 years. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Poor old devil. Yeah, it's his, um, he had asked me to do a New Year's Eve gig, um, in the millennium, within like, yeah, 99, and he contacted me. I said, Ted, I have no problem doing it, but I said, It's house, and he said, Oh, Jesus, he said, No, 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 he said, They wouldn't, they couldn't dance the house, all Andrew. <laughs> I said, Maybe if I give you my records, they dance. <laughs> yeah, he'd have done yeah, that. So, just... look, for the two charities on the Adel House and uh, Helen Holmes. And devoted to the memory of our friend. Okay, listen, Andrew. Thank you very much. I'm delighted for you that the the agency work has taken off uh, as well as it is. He he, sketching since he was a kid, uh, logos and designs and that, and now he's making a bob or two out of it. And delighted for him. Deirdre Barry is one of the people he mentioned, uh, homeless help and support. Hi, Deirdre. Good morning. Good morning, BJ. How are you this morning? Great all together. It's. Great to see a fundraiser like this being done. These are tough times. I'm just looking out the window. And last night I was out the back myself for a minute or two and I thought, any poor bugger out in that, like, we, we, don't, a, we don't even get to contemplate what it must be like for them. No, no, it's miserable. And even when we're out on our street runs at night and we're frozen to the bone, we get to come home after an hour or two or, you know, after the few hours out there and we can put the heating on and have a hot cup of tea and yeah. so it, it is it's it's a tough it's a tough life out there it really and truly is but we've been so fortunate we're you know as as a group the support that we've had from the likes of say Andrew um, who, who literally came out of the blue he contacted us and offered to do this fundraiser um, the people of Cork with their food their donations their sweets and their treats over over the months and the years we couldn't be doing what we're doing if we didn't have that support. It's it's fantastic. We're mm. we're thrilled and we're really really appreciative of it. And even throughout COVID, with all the limitations it has placed on all of us, you've been able to continue. We have. We missed two nights, PJ, um, at the very very start in March when nobody really knew what was happening and what was going on. Just for fear of for safety, we stopped for two nights. But the the demand and the requirement didn't go away. So really I suppose we're all volunteers and our hearts are just out there trying to want to do the best that we can for, for people so we couldn't we couldn't ignore it and walk away so we have we have been out since March um, in March we were out two nights a week um, and then we're back now to every Tuesday night and every second Friday night mm. um, we are we have changed how we operate a little bit just to try and maintain safety for everybody. We're restricting the number of volunteers now who come out at any one given time. Um, all our volunteers would be masked, visored and gloved and behind a perspex screen. We have um, a sanitizing station to one side so all our service users would come and wash their hands, use sanitizer and if they don't have a mask already we'd provide them with a mask before they come to the table to be fed. So, you know, we're doing, we want to continue our service. We are, we're still doing our outreach teams, but we're trying to do it as safely um, as we can for everybody concerned. Of course, so, it can't um, be done without help and you have a lot of people helping. We have an amazing, amazing team. Um, we have obviously the people who are out on the street every, every, every week behind the table doing the hot food, um, serving the teas and the coffees. We have an amazing team of cooks behind us who provide the hot food every week. They're all volunteers. They've all contacted us and we've set up a rota so everybody kind of cooks maybe once every two or three weeks. We have sandwich makers. 
we have cake bakers, um, we have people donating money that we can buy tents and sleeping bags and clothing. Um, then there's we work with other groups. I mean, we all work together. We've all got a common end. So we would have the likes of the Hygiene Bank who have been very generous in their donation of toiletries. We have the likes of Considerate Cakes who donate cakes to us yeah. to give out at our table. We have the likes of O'Reilly's Fish and Chips in Glanmire who have been... Oh, they've been there for years with us. Um, in fairness, every month they would give us our chips and our suppers, and so we couldn't do. We're just the face of of an awful lot of good out yeah. there. Isn't it wonderful the, the way people come together too? It's listen, PJ. We actually have to say to people at the moment, because of the current situation, we've had so many people wanting to volunteer. But as I said, we're trying to restrict our numbers and keep it safe for everybody, and we're trying to keep it to people who would be familiar with with what we're doing and we're able to operate comfortably with what we're doing. So the amount of people who are, who are contacting us on a daily and a weekly basis is just, it's phenomenal. It really is. I mean, in this tough times, it's its fabulous to see it. Um, and again, we're back to the likes of Andrew. He came out of, out of the blue um, with this fabulous offer to do this fundraiser for us. And so it's the likes of, of that that really... It helps keep you going. We couldn't do it, you know, if we didn't have that support. Um, and hopefully it'll continue because I think we're in for tougher times ahead. I think when all of this is over mm. um, and we're Because the problems to, that the, that the mm. homeless are facing and, and the, the poor are facing, you know, they're only made worse by, by all yeah. of this. Yeah, it's just been exacerbated and it's been kind of hidden at the minute because people are, are stuck at home. Um, but people have lost jobs. Um, domestic situations have become more volatile. Um, drinking, gam- you know, they, they just any any of the social difficulties that are there have just been exacerbated but aren't being addressed. So I see that we will be, we are very busy at the minute, but I see we're going to be very, very busy down the road. Okay, all so, right. Well, thank you for all that you do, Deirdre. Uh, no, and thank, I want to, as I said, I, we couldn't do it without the support that we get from everybody and from the likes of you, you know, giving us the opportunity to speak about it every now and then. It, it, it all makes a huge difference, so thank you as well. All right, our pleasure. Thank you. 1850-715-996. And that, Andrew, that fundraiser uh, from Andrew Carroll uh, is online tomorrow night. Find it on GoFundMe or you'll find it on his own Facebook pages. And he's going to do 50% for Adele House and 50% for uh, that homeless group, Deirdre Barry's homeless group, Homeless Help and Support. And he's doing it in, in honour and in memory of our friend Ted Dunn. By the way, uh, good to see last night, well, good to see, sorry to say that, but tragic, of course, the whole situation with regard to the week. But Ted's funeral mass will be live streamed today, as will the ceremony from the island crematorium where he'll be cremated uh, afterwards and it's all being done on YouTube and I think if you search YouTube for a funeral mass for Ted Dunn it will all come up there uh, Anthony Fleming my video genius uh, is helping out with making sure that as many of us who would like to can at least in spirit attend the uh, the requiem mass and the ceremonies to see off our dear friend The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Interesting comment coming in from someone who says they're a firefighter in Cork City this to do with vaccines I'll get to that before we finish today but another one of the charities benefiting from Andrew's fundraiser online tomorrow night is Adele House, he mentioned that it was he was inspired by our conversation about Sister Colette Hickey uh, on the occasion of her 103rd birthday, he was inspired to do something for um, Adele House. Colette Foster is the manager down there, morning Colette Hi, good morning, PJ. Thank you for inviting me on. I was delighted. Um, it's been a tough time for you guys with this pandemic, given the kind of yeah. services you provide. You've had to do things like cut your numbers and all that. Yeah. Um, at the start of the pandemic, we would have reduced our capacity here in Edel House because we had a lot of women who were sharing bedrooms, but we had some women who were expecting babies. We had women with underlying health issues. So we would have worked with the accommodation placement service in Cork City Council. And as people moved out, we didn't replace them here so that at the moment there is just one woman in every bedroom or a family in a room. But that's down from the considerable numbers you would normally it have, is. isn't it? it how, is. how many would yeah. you normally have? Normally we'd have 18 single women and 10 families. So we still have the 10 families, but just we've gone from the 18 down to 7. We do, I do manage the B&B outreach team as well, and they support a lot of the single women who now be accommodated in hotels or right. B&Bs in the city. Right, so so people will still be looked after, but not necessarily on your premises. No, not for the moment, but um, we are moving into the first phase of our new development in the coming yes. weeks. Yes. So um, that will provide uh, self-contained accommodation for the women um, within the next month or so. Yeah. How difficult has it been, apart from the, having to cut the numbers and keep everybody safe, it's, how difficult has it been down there? Um, people are tired. Um, you can see that in staff here that they are coming into work they're doing their very best to support the women and the children who need our services here but they're also trying to protect their own families as well so there is that extra stress um, I think that everyone does experience while they're working here but at the same time I think we have a really good team here who really care about the people that we work with and we've done our very best to meet their needs throughout the year. The, the clients that you, that, you, yeah. that you help how yeah. affected by the the pandemic were they other than the the safety elements yeah. I suppose it was a little bit of a wake up call at the very start of the pandemic where we would have brought women together and we were talking about how are we going to get safely through this together and one of the women at the end of that turned to me and said Can I, I don't think you realise that this is actually how we live our lives that uh, this roller coaster of fear and anticipation is actually how they experienced homelessness so they've been living with this fear I see. Albeit linked to homelessness as opposed to a pandemic for quite a while before the pandemic hit. So for them, what some of them have said is that the pandemic was just another thing on top of everything else that they were experiencing. Just something else to deal with. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I suppose as well, like there hasn't been an outbreak of COVID here in Edel House. uh, And I don't think it's it's widely affected homeless services but I could be wrong but I don't think it has and I think part of that is because for years we've been working with women and families who've been experiencing homelessness and what we've been trying to do is reduce the isolation and loneliness that they would have experienced while they were homeless yeah. um, and actually now that isolation and loneliness is 
probably the tools that lots of societies are using, people in society are using yeah. to protect them from COVID. It's, it's almost like they'd learned a skill that the rest of us had to learn. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, not through choice. Just not through choice. I, yeah. I think for, uh, for a lot of people who experience homelessness, uh, it's a very lonely place to be. Yeah, uh, but you know, um, life goes on. We have the ten families here. Their children are living here. The children are playing together. You know, um, the the moms are supporting each other, and we're supporting the families that stay here. And this then same for those single women. And the new building, then you're almost yeah. ready to go. Well, phase one is almost ready to go. Yeah, um, it's and we move in there in the next few weeks, and then the building that we're in here will be completely redeveloped. And we'll have a garden space at the very end of it as well, which is a huge asset for the children who stay here. Um, again, it means they won't be just playing in corridors or, you know, sitting rooms, but yeah. they'll have an outdoor space to play in. And I've been in the new building. It's beautiful. It's just so bright and airy compared maybe to what we're in at the moment. And that every single woman will have their own bedroom, their own little kitchen area and their own bathroom, which is very timely giving what we've been trying to manage through COVID, yeah. where we do have seven women sharing two bathrooms and two showers here. So, right. um, and, 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 and that would it, have been 24 women at one stage who would have been sharing those it's, two It's bathrooms. a credit to you that there has been no outbreak or no cases. It's an absolute credit to you and well yeah. done and long may, long may that success exactly. continue. And just as suppose to say that we do, our cleaning staff here have gone above and beyond over the last year to keep everyone safe. And I think as a team, We've worked very hard to protect each other and to protect the women and children who stay okay. here. And you've done you've done fine work, Colette, as always, Colette Foster, manager of Adele House, another one of the charities that will benefit from Andrew Carroll's eighties online gig tomorrow night at eight o'clock. You find it on his socials and on various online platforms. Look him up on Facebook. All the details there. He's got a GoFundMe as well. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Thing. We're talking earlier on this morning about the various groups of people that are next in line for vaccination and they're starting next week with the over 70s and initially within that group starting with the over 85s and as we heard from Dr. Nuala O'Connor you'll be called you'll get a message from your GP or your GP practice to say your vaccine is there do you want to go and take it and then you'll be given an appointment and told where to go and when it'll happen and hopefully we'll all get that those vaccinations out over the next few weeks and then they move to the next cohort and the next cohort and the next but what has come in a lot to us over the last few days are calls about people who see well dialysis patients for example talking the other morning to one of those people and then this morning to Marion whose daughter is her carer and she has very complex needs has Marion you know when is her daughter going to get vaccinated? When is she going to get vaccinated? She's 67 and has complex needs. All of those questions obviously are are complicating the the simple rollout by age. And then we get this. I'm a firefighter in Cork City. No firefighter in Cork has had the vaccine. We're not included in the frontline workers' vaccine rollout. We'd appreciate if this was highlighted. We enter people's homes. We're in close contact during rescues road traffic accidents, industrial accidents. We're also in close contact with each other 
in the fire station and while travelling in the fire trucks. We're exposed to aerosols and bodily fluids as part of our work. This was the determinant of frontline worker, wasn't it? We seem to have been forgotten about in the vaccine rollout. We've no idea when we'll get it. Just thought the public should know and I think the public be very interested to find out that our our firefighters are not included or were not included in the first phase of the vaccine rollout. Rightfully so, paramedics and doctors and nurses all included. A lot of care home assistants included. The elderly in nursing homes included. Staff in nursing homes for the most part included, but not our firefighters. Uh, that's another question needs to be put to the system. My father's 90 and has been told he won't be getting the vaccine until the 25th of February. He lives in a rural area of Cork. Are the cities getting the vaccines first? Why is someone who's 90 having to wait almost two weeks after the rollout of vaccines for those over 85? Well, Monday is the... What is it? It's the 15th. So 10 days into it, he'll be getting his vaccine, 25th of February. But at least he knows he'll be getting it, I guess. But it does seem to be quite a wait. Is it a case that because he's in a rural area... He has a longer wait. That would be unfortunate, but thank you for that. Here's a documentary that is online tonight, in which you may have an interest. Uh, we all know that the greatest drag artist of them all, uh, Danny LaRue, was a corkman. He was. He was a corkman. And uh, it's, it's a long tradition that we have in Cork of great drag artists. And that is what that dec- documentary will celebrate tonight. So I started doing makeup in like my bedroom, in the hallway, in the mirror. Every night. Yeah, and just like posting stuff on Instagram. I always enjoyed wearing high heels, even when my mom wasn't at home. I just loved high heels. So this was a valid reason for me to actually wear heels in public and be happy about it. Growing up, I was obsessed with drag. And then when I got to our college, I started dressing as different characters and just sitting in my living room, staring down the camera like this. I was like, girl, I kind of like this. <laughs> first photographs of me, the first times I did drag, I would have, looking back now, I'd put a paper bag on its head and I'd pop it in the river with concrete slippers because I looked like a pig. Oh, my God. Even my wig had alopecia. <laughs> Even my wig had alopecia. Oh, Conrad, good morning to you. Good morning, there's a bit of work gone into this, Conrad, but we do have a, a huge tr- tradition of great drag acts in Cork, don't we? We do, yeah. So we did in a lovely story now last night in our tech rehearsal with the panellists for the Q&A afterwards. Yeah. And Richard, who was um, Daniel Rue's makeup artist for 10 years, was telling us about the time they spent in Cork in the 80s when he had the live shows in the Opera House. Yeah. and it was very funny he was telling us about he had relatives coming up to the door that he'd never heard of but Danny was saying let him in anyway let him have a drink <laughs> yeah. we've we've had uh, I, I spoke only I think last year or maybe the year before pre-Covid with, with that wonderful young lad uh, Kevin Karma O'Hara yeah. you know it's it, what what is it about drag that, that attracts people into it What what is the buzz of it Conrad um, I suppose it's different for everyone. I suppose we drag kind of gives people a platform to be themselves and express their kind of different sides of their personality. Um, so we're trying to show that in the documentary, and I think the girls give a lot of detail about it very well. Yeah. This is the difficult question, 
Conrad, and I, I, I'm, I'm cautious of how I'll put it to you. Are drag artists trends? Is that, or is it just a performance? No, so being trans is completely different yeah. from drag artists. Um, so drag artists are more about performance and kind of exploring gender identity and gender kind of ending, I suppose. Um, whereas trans people would be completely different. They know that they're a certain gender. Drag queens are kind of playing with gender. You had, of course, you had um, Danny from Madden's Billings. And then I was quite friendly with him and still haven't seen him in a number of years now. But of course, the great Alan Amsby, Mr. Pussy, used to pack houses in Cork. Absolutely pack houses. Oh, yeah. So there's, there's a good bit that we haven't been able to capture just yet. Um, and we're hoping eventually to get more information about Mr. Pussy's time in Cork. I've been looking up a bit of it um, last night myself. Mm. Um but so we also have a virtual exhibition that we just launched as well for anyone that doesn't manage to get tickets for it tonight. Um, if you go to arts.mtu.ie, we have a full virtual exhibition that provides all the different information and it'll be updated as we get more information. How do people get tickets for tonight? So there's a handful of tickets left and you can just go to Eventbrite and search Dragging Up the Past, you'll be able to find some. Or again, on arts.mtu.ie. Yeah. I guess a documentary like this, Conrad, brings uh, it brings it to a wider audience um, and, and an audience that might not have seen or if they've seen didn't understand drag, drag artists. And of course, Panty Bliss is, is part of it as well. So, so what is the aim behind it? Is, is, that, is it to share the, the industry? Yeah, so originally the project started as just an exhibition for Culture Night in 2018 with the Gay Project who were trying to raise funds for as well tonight um, and then we kind of saw an opportunity for a grant from the Arts Office in MTU and Chambers sponsored us as well so our aim then was to try to capture that history so LGBT history is something that has been erased in the past so we kind of want to capture the history of the drag culture in Cork and kind of catch the stories from the drag queens themselves before any of that history is lost again. Yeah, because it's an important history. It's a great entertainment history. It looks like a great piece of work. Once again, remind people where they can get access. Yeah, so if you go to arts.mtu.ie arts.mtu.ie Good luck with it, Conrad. And and, uh, long may the, the performances continue because it's great fun. Great fun. Thank you. 1850-715-996. There was Danny LaRue. There was Miss... I know Alan Amsby. I last met Alan Amsby. It would have been at an event, one of the Business Cork events or one of the... I think it was the Style Awards. It was the Style Awards about two years ago. I met Alan Amsby, Mr. Pussy, and he was great friends with a man who I was very friendly with as well, a chap called Dave Gordon, or Mother Gordon, as we affectionately knew Dave. Dave's sadly no longer with us, but Alan is, he's in his 80s now, but he's still a character. He's still great fun. He used to pack out the Ard Manning, and he used to pack out those places, cabaret, any cabaret spot in Cork, he would pack it out with Mr. Pussy. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. That firefighter, says Max, makes very valid points with regard to vaccines because it also applies to our Gardaí. Close contact in their jobs is unavoidable. Entering people's homes and their hospitals, it's unavoidable. So surely they should be further up the priority list. Thanks for that, Mags. 1850-715-996. To finish up this week, a bit of fun. A lot of people have been trying to uh, improve themselves during this lockdown. What I kind of mean by that is people working from home. You know, it was acceptable working from home to slop about in in your fat pants and and your baggies and your maybe even your pyjamas all day. But there's a new thing starting now. Uh, No, if you are working from home, dress up. Dress up, get up and dress up and smarten up, even if you are working from home. And they're calling it, I don't, they're calling it dopamine dressing. Tis a new one on me, Mary Jane. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. I spotted you doing this over the last couple of weeks. Not that you don't always look great when you put up a picture of yourself anyway, but you've been doing this dopamine. Where did it come from and what's the plan? So, dopamine dressing kind of isn't a new concept, um, really. I think I first read about it in 2017 kind of time, and it was where people would introduce colour to their wardrobe um, to make themselves feel better. Now, 2017 seemed like a lifetime ago, um, and now the concept, I suppose, from the pandemic has kind of come, and I joined in on it actually originally on Twitter. There were two girls that set up um, in the UK, and they called it Dress Up, Not Down. And basically the concept behind it was that everyone was sitting around in their tracksuits and, you know, like, you know, you might be business on the top, but you were definitely in yoga pants on the bottom. Mm. So um, everyone was kind of feeling a bit low and a bit lethargic. And then lots of people were out of work. So it wasn't even that they were that they were, you know, at home um, working from home in their in their yoga pants or whatever. It was just people weren't even working, you know, people were laid off and whatever. Yeah. So th- this whole concept of dopamine dressing is, is kind of just getting up and putting on something that makes you feel good about yourself. So whether it's a dress or whether it's your favourite blazer or whether it's a scarf or something that's a bit of colour or it could just be, you know, blow drying your hair. I I talk about it quite regularly on Twitter and Instagram. And when I put it on Instagram the other day, people were saying, God, you know, I got up today and I put on my perfume. Like, there's things that we do for self-care that we don't even realise that we do on a daily basis in our normal lives. Yeah. But we haven't had our normal lives now for 11 months, you know, to a degree. Um, And I'm laughing because I'm looking at people saying that they're getting dolled up going to Tesco. I'm the same. (laughs) I'm the same. Full blow-dry, full makeup, lashes. Um, And now, because obviously... It's harder because we can't go to salons and we, you know, like colouring your hair and all that kind of stuff uh, and getting your nails done and all the things we would normally do to treat ourselves, Mm. you know, is a distant memory. So you can put on something. Um, Now, I did have a dress and I was going to do a Bridgerton theme, but then I was thinking I'd be sitting at the kitchen table all day in a big flouncy dress and that might be a bit uncomfortable. (laughs) And if it's Bridgerton anyway, people who want to see a bit of other as well, you know. <laughs> oh, listen, I'm telling you something. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's a whole other conversation to be having. <laughs> well, well not, not, not on camera, Mary Jane. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. 
so um so from that perspective so the concept just is that you that you pick a day and for for the girls they chose Wednesday because it was kind of the midweek and that's traditionally the day that people are a little bit feel a little bit funny about things mm. and um all that kind of stuff so um the whole concept really is is just that you um dress up not down and yeah. um is that you dress up not down and um you enjoy it and and, and I've been getting an absolute I've been having such fun with it and there's been such interaction and it's it's kind of nearly become like a part of my online social life now. Yeah, yeah. Dopamine, of course, people are wondering, dopamine is a chemical produced by the brain when you're happy. Yes. And when yes. you're feeling positive. Exactly. And so and so you get dopamine from things like chocolate um, and, and that. So it's, it's just the idea that maybe you look good and you feel better. And I feel as well that like, I'm, I perform better in my job. I'm, I'm more creative when I look good. Yeah. Well, they, um, they used to say that if you, if, you, if you look good, you feel good. And if you feel good, you look good. Yes, absolutely. So that, that, was, that, was, my, that was my whole concept. So I, I'm loving it. And I'm, if anybody wants to join in, I'm on Instagram um, and I'm on Twitter. And it's, it's, you know, it's just a little bit of fun. And I, as you know as well, I opened the bar on a Friday night the virtual bar on Twitter. <laughs> Tell me more. So, <laughs> so I just opened the bar and I asked everyone what they're having to drink and lots of people just said it kind of cheers them up because they, you know, obviously we can't go to the pub at the moment. So mm. we just opened the bar and everyone has a discussion about if they were out, maybe what they'd have to drink or, mm. you know, and then people are asking about, you know, could, or can we do food orders? Is there pub grub? And it's just a bit of fun and people put in playlists. I know, um, Mike, um, one of the guys that does it there regularly, um, put together a playlist and stuff like that. So there's lots of things that that I'm trying to do to kind yeah. of make myself feel better. I mean, it's like a um, virtual bit of fun on a Friday that we all yeah. need. That we've been saying for weeks, Mary Jane, the only difference between Friday and Saturday is you don't work on Saturday. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And, it, you know, I mean, from, from our, from, like, from our, cons- you know, from, like, people like us, PJ, that would would have had, you know, very kind of hectic social life and social life with work that maybe yeah. would have would have been very kind of intertwined and um, it's 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 very very tough to be on a friday like i miss going out on a friday after work literally going home, dropping the car home putting on a pair of comfortable shoes you know and walking down to my local and just having a bottle of wine and coming home then and maybe ordering a chinese or something like that but just the social element of you know you know the after work banter of having a few drinks. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the things. It's one of the things that we all miss. We we, we have we have a group here um, at work which we call payday drinks. Which which is what it sounds. We 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 go out on payday or the Friday after payday for a night out and we haven't been able to do that for, for well over a year now uh, the, the yeah. last one had to be cancelled so we just keep it going as a WhatsApp group and it's a load of fun and we share jokes and pictures and stuff yeah. like that you know so it's a load of fun but dressing up to feel better yeah, better, yeah. tell me about glamming up to go to Tesco I mean people go to Tesco in their, their pyjamas for pity's sake well, I mean, you know, that's a whole other conversation now. Um, the pyjamas is like, you know, I can't say I haven't been at the drive through McDonald's in my pyjamas. I can't say I haven't because I have. Nice. But going to Tesco in your pyjamas is a little bit different. So um, the, the whole plan of just going to Tesco, it's, it's probably your only bit of humor, human maybe interaction in the week or whatever. Um, 
and I that's exactly what I do. I put on now I wouldn't say like that I get too like I wouldn't be in a dress now like grand thing too mm. hectic, but like I'd you know, I'd wear the jeans and a nice top, like my Friday yeah. night out outfit. Yeah. And blow dry my hair and you know, when you're right. down there and you know, because the masks you can't really smile at people or, you know, have the banter anymore. I think, you know, dressing up to go out is just kind of a nice way. And yeah. I celebrated my birthday and I, do you know what I did? I ordered a fancy kind of a robe, like a d- fancy kind of dressing gown thing. Yeah. And I got new earrings and I got new eyelashes. Right. And I sat and I drank champagne in my living room. Why not? What and a time to be alive. Indeed. Listen, great talking to you. As always, Mary Jane. Slamity Jane is on, uh, she's on Twitter and she's on Instagram as well with her dopamine dressing. Dress up. Even if you're not doing anything, dress up at least one day a week and get done up to the nines going to Tesco's. 1850 715 Where are we going with these entries? We've got hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. Kim, line two. What have you got for me, Kim? Hi there, PJ. I've got, I'm learning about important dates in history. Want to be one? Oh, that's nice. That's short and sweet. Because <laughs> there was some stuff coming in this morning was bordering on pornography. But this is nice. Yeah. I'm yeah. learning about important dates in history. Wanna be one. All right. Well, you know what? You're our winner for today. Okay, so sir. what you've got is you're going off when they're open again. Yeah. Uh, you'll be going to the Clayton Hotel, overnight stay in a superior Riverview balcony room, dinner for two, Globe Restaurant and Bar, and of course complimentary access to the Club Vitae Leisure Club with the pool. And it's all thanks to the Clayton Hotel Cork. And whenever this is all over. You're off to it. That's brilliant. Really looking forward to it. Got to have things to look forward to, don't you? Indeed, indeed. Kim, thank you very much. Good talking to you. Have a nice weekend. We have another one of these on Monday and another one on Tuesday and Wayne's got one tomorrow. Uh, Just to drag it across the weekend. Uh, Valentine's Day is Sunday, of course. I personally like mixed one. But you see, it came in on the phone. I'll read it again, or on Twitter. I'll, I'll read it again before we go. A little rhyme for you to put you all in the spirit. Roses are red. They're bought from a garage. I know they're half dead, but so is our marriage. I do like that one. That's it. The program edited by Terry Brennan. Produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Remember that podcast in the afternoon. And we shall see you all Monday, just after nine.